Welcome to a special edition of the Football Bosses. Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata with you. And uh, tonight we're joined by the boss of the FFA, David Gallup, the CEO who's been at the helm of the sport to navigating through some pretty treacherous waters since August of 2012. Tony, it's going to be a fascinating uh, conversation. Yeah, it will be. Um, we've been trying to get David on for, for a while and he's agreed to come on uh uh, the show uh, tonight. Um, Twitter went uh, went off, didn't it? Yeah, uh, Michael. In the lead up to tonight, uh, Tony, we asked our listeners to to pose their questions to the CEO, and to say that we were overwhelmed with the response is probably an understatement. Uh, I think I've had eighty comments, um, most of them questions, and uh, a lot of them offering their own view on the FFA and and David's reign so far. Um, and to say that uh, the sentiment was negative is probably understating it. Uh, it's it's bad, isn't it? It's the worst I've seen it in the in the A League, and I've been uh, involved in the A League, uh, you know, since two thousand and seven. Um, I've never seen it like this. The, the fans are are really, really in, disenchanted with the whole game at the moment, and it's showing in the stands. You know, they're not turning up to games. Uh, they're not watching it on TV, and um, you know. It, it, it's it's something that uh, needs to be really really looked at, and it's uh, getting uh, you know to the serious stage. I think when you look at David's um, reign as as the CEO, he came in as I said in in 2012, uh, a bit a bit later than that, uh, just after the 2012 season, 2012-13 uh, season started, yep. I think. Yep. And uh, and by that stage, uh, Western Sydney were were up and running, um, and the, the big names of Alessandro Del Piero and Emil Heskey and Shinji Ono were already in the league, so. When you look back at uh, some of the achievements of, of David and his team, you have to start to question, has the game moved forward since that point? Some of the things that have worked well uh, have been the FFA Cup, uh, the appointment of Ange, you could argue, was, was a positive. Matildas. The Matildas have, have really grown. But uh, when you look at uh, the number of clubs, the number of TV viewers, the number of fans through the gate, uh, there's still a lot of work to be done. Yeah, so and and we've qualified for a, for a World Cup as well, um, and you know the the last TV deal, albeit the clubs probably aren't over uh, enamoured with the the dollars. It, it was still a, a record um, record deal which uh, David was uh, involved with, but if you look at the stats from the twelve thirteen season, we are now worse off than we were in two thousand and twelve two thousand and thirteen in terms of crowd. Um, and, and average crowds, etc. And, um, you know, instead of going up, we've gone backwards and we have to sort of look at, at as, as to why. And I think, you know, we'll ask David, but, you know, the, this issue with the, the governance, um, you know, has FFA taken the eye off, off the A-League? Um, they did that with the World Cup bid and we saw what happened uh, with, with the A-League then. Um, they said they would never do that again. Um, but uh, you know this this year it's 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 back to square one. So, and well, we had Grego Rourke on the program, one of our first programs here on the Football Bosses uh, last year, and uh, we asked him about the promotion or lack thereof of promotion of the A League, and, and he said it was a, a strategic decision not to promote uh, the league at the start of the season and to back end it. But uh, apart from the Star Wars and the E League, I really haven't seen much more promotion of of the league this year. Yeah, and last year they, um, you know, you've got to have a team. Um, was probably, I think, probably the best campaign they've done, um, and we haven't seen that. And you know, FFA've lost a lot of staff as well, and they haven't replaced them. Um, and the burden, you know, rests with, with quite a few. And it, they're they're big jobs, you know, big jobs in terms of marketing. Um, you know, they lost uh, Jackie Hoban, who looked after all the events, and she was instrumental in in bringing, you know, the the police, the clubs, the stadiums together. I remember quite a few forums that we attended to to work through some issues. Uh, she wasn't replaced and it fell on Greg. And Greg's got a big enough role running the A-League without this as well. So, you know, are they staffed correctly? And, you know, because at the end of the day, you need people to do do the job. One of the biggest issues that they've had to deal with too is around fan, for fan engagement and uh, the highlights of going to Parramatta and watching Western Sydney in the early days was the active support, uh, an active support which is almost non-existent today. Uh, highlighted, Tony, by uh, the derby last week where um, the Western Sydney fans uh, were punished for uh, lighting flares and, and we don't condone that behaviour, but it, it just seems as though that uh, the engagement side of the game has really uh, almost disappeared um, 
when we look at where we were five years ago? Look, one of the, the greatest things was to go to a derby, a Sydney derby, packed out, whether it was Allianz or Parramatta, and you had the RBB, you had the Cove there, and it was fantastic. It, it was a difference that, you know, our code brings. Um, <clears throat> but saying that, um, the RBB still don't get it. No, still light flares. They had that issue with, with the banner with Arnie at the last derby last year at ANZ. Um, so, you know, they, sometimes they, they just go out and think they're, you know, law unto themselves. And they do need to be brought in. And I know John Tatsmith very well. And I think, uh, you know, he's probably made the right decision because he has told them, you know, enough's enough. Um, but, you know, there's a couple that are always going to do it. And um, hopefully they can learn from this because um, I'm quite fearful what the FFA are going to do the, to the Wanderers now, uh, you know, because they've been on the, uh, you know, the sort of uh, list and they've yeah, got well they, 50,000. And they issued the w, uh, WSW Western Sydney with their fourth show course notice in two years after the weekend's derby game. Um, there have been multiple members of the RBB on the weekend that were wearing shirts attacking the FFA and they held banners calling for David Gallup to quit. Um, they narrowly missed uh, out on a points deduction last time. So uh, as you're alluding to, I would be very surprised if uh, a points deduction isn't coming for this one. Well, enough's enough. Um, you know, we're all for active supporters, but do it in the right the right way. Um you know, I, I had issues with the Cove, um, you know, when they sort of lit flares and stuff like that. And we sat down with, with the leaders and we worked it through. And they understand that, you know, if they want to continue that way, then they're not going to get everything they want. And, you know, we, they are important to the game. Fans are the number one um, factor for, for any games. And we saw that when they decided not to turn up um, a couple of seasons ago. And it was, was, was terrible. Um, but... They're not turning up now, uh, and the reason is why. Why aren't they turning up? Are they bored with the game? Are they disenchanted with the administration? Um, you know, they they still love the players and they still love the club, but they are now voting. We saw Borussia Dortmund, for example, twenty five thousand fans didn't go Monday night because they don't want Monday night games. So I tell you what, they are a powerful lot the fans when they work together and do it in the right way. And the game is about the fans. Uh, and that's, uh, I think, one of the things that's been lost uh, over the last few years to, f to focus on um, what the fans want. Uh, police them when, when, when they need to, but uh, I think that's one of the things that uh, we really need to start to address uh, if the game is, is going to continue to flourish uh, in the future. It's going to be a big show. And after the break, the CEO of Football Federation Australia, David Gallup, to join us here on Football Bosses. Welcome back to Football Bosses. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata with you. And joining us uh, on the line is the boss of football in Australia, the CEO of FFA, David Gallup. David, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. David, uh, we did uh, ask our listeners to throw some questions out to you. Uh, I had 78 uh, in the last uh, 12 hours, uh, many of them uh, not uh, able to be broadcast. Uh, we'll get to some of those in a moment, but uh, it is a tough time for the sport. Uh, there's no skirting around that issue. And I suppose if you were measuring sentiment, as uh, I'm sure you probably do at the moment, it, it wouldn't be uh, the highest level it's been in the five years or so that you've been the CEO at the FFA. Where do you see the game at the moment? Yeah, I guess there's a combination of a, a bit of frustration, uh, but also plenty of areas to feel optimistic about as well. Um, you know, we uh, just completed the W League season. We had a record crowd for the grand final and a great effort by Melbourne City to, to pull off a hat-trick. Um, the Matildas are in Portugal, about to play in the Algarve Cup. Uh, first game against Norway and we know how the Matildas are flying at the moment and, and have had such a remarkable 12 months. Of course the Socceroos are off uh, to Russia and we've got a new coach and uh, a, a lot of cause to feel excited about the Socceroos. A-League is getting towards the pointy end. Um, Sydney FC, uh, once again, I was there on Sunday night and, uh, you know, once again, they, they showed that they're almost an unstoppable force at the moment. Um, uh, Tony, you must be watching that carefully. So we'll still have a fascinating final series uh, because 
uh, teams will be keen to knock Sydney FC off if they can when we reach that knockout stage. Um, at Grassroots, uh, we launched Female Football Week on Friday. Uh, that's a, a really important uh, connection point between the A-League, W-League um, and the grassroots of the game. We've got a new sponsor on board with Rebel. Um, okay, so those are all the things that are, you know, looking positive. Of, of course, um, some of the numbers from the A-League around ratings uh, in particular have um, pointed to a few things. I think the com- competition in Australian sport this summer has been more intense than ever. Um, and we've got to work with our clubs to, to find ways through that. It's a collective responsibility how we market the A-League. Um, we, we managed to find uh, $3 million of, of centralised money and, and put that out to the clubs, 300 each uh, this season. Um, on, on any measure, you'd probably say that that hasn't been that successful. Um, but the standard of the football has been very high, um, and there's lots of great young kids coming through. The young kid at Melbourne City scored a spectacular goal the other day. So there's lots of reasons to, to be positive, despite some of the numbers. So is it a fact that um, you know, you're perhaps not communicating some of the positives enough? Because the sentiment is, is, uh, is negative. And uh, you know, the, a lot of the football community are saying that you know, the, the game is at a low point. Uh, we point to reform. We point to the growth of uh, the expansion of the A-League teams. We point to TV ratings and, and attendances. And all of those key things need work. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the whole exercise with FIFA uh, has been frustrating for everyone in the sport. But we've, we've had a good session, a couple of sessions last week, and they've gone back to Zurich. Uh, we'll, we'll put some meat on the bone of the Congress review process in the next couple of weeks um, once they get back to us. Uh, so that, that will hopefully move forward. Um, we're very positive about moving to a phase of looking at expansion and, and looking for two new teams for the season after next. Um, we were looking at the operating model of the A-League and, and looking for ways to make sure that the investment that our current owners make um, and the investment of new owners um, around expansion uh, is attractive. Uh, so those are positives, uh, but uh, perhaps a blanket of people feeling a bit frustrated about that you know, we're a, world, we're a global sport and, and people do tend to look overseas and, and, and want to achieve the things that the sports achieve overseas quickly. Um, you know, it, there is a lot of reason to be confident about the future of the sport, but uh, we have to recognise that we're in a competitive market, perhaps the most competitive um, of, of any in the world. And, and football... Um, you know, it needs to it, it needs to realise that, be confident about its future, um, but also recognise that affordability is going to hold back some of the things that people want to see happen quickly. David, with um, with expansion, um, the FFA announced uh, I think last week or the week before that there will be two new teams in 2019-20. Is the FFA going to release a criteria that then uh, possible? Uh, franchises can um, actually bid for, for a licence. So how is the process going to work? Yeah, you'll see us do that um, in coming weeks, Tony. Um, we, we want to run a, a proper process. Uh, we want to make sure that those that are interested in um, being part of two new teams um, can put their best foot forward. Uh, we need to encourage big capital investment to, to make that happen. Uh, so you'll see more about that over the coming weeks. Yeah, because um, you know if if it if it's going to be nineteen twenty teams will, or clubs will need to start forming probably around mid mid this year just to get the you know the community involved and and do it right like the like the Wanderers did, have uh, public forums, get their names, all that sort of stuff, and that takes a good twelve to eighteen months and then building a, a team. So uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, sort of see that uh, that expansion happen quickly, and it's. I think, David, it's, it's what's needed. I think the sentiment out there is, is a little bit of, of, of boredom. And I know from a Sydney FC point of view, they're loving it because they're winning week in, week out. But it also has, a, I suppose, a, 
another effect that you know they're, they're so dominant and there's not that um, you know week in week out. But uh, as you said, come finals time, it's knockout stage, and I think all clubs are waiting to say, well, Sydney going to win the Premier's Plate, we're going to knock them off in in the final. So once the finals start, then then you'll get that that hype back, um, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, you touched on the Wanderers, and obviously that was so successful. The engagement with the community, um, you know, in many respects, it was overdue for the West of Sydney to have its own team. So when um, when it all happened, it, it happened with phenomenal success. And, and credit to those involved at the time, because that success wasn't just off the pitch; it was on the pitch um, as well. Uh, it's difficult to identify somewhere which would necessarily have that overnight success. Um, so we need to be careful about it. I accept what you say about people feeling frustrated about 10 teams only. Um, but the last thing that the competition needs is a sixth game each week, which, um, which is poor product. Um, so we have to be careful about this and realise that done the wrong way or in the wrong places, um, Australian sport is littered with expansion teams that haven't necessarily worked or have taken a long time um, to get up and uh, up and going. And I think the A League needs um, not overnight success, but it needs its expansion teams to quickly be doing well. There is a sense, though, it's taken too long to, to get to this point. Uh, we've had the introduction of the FFA Cup, which has been outstanding and, and well-received by the community. But has, has that given you uh, some hope that uh, perhaps, or, or when you look back at it, that uh, perhaps it should have been done a little bit earlier, that these in, there, there are communities out there that, that, that will support uh, expansion clubs? Yeah, so I'm only really delighted, of course, with how the FFA Cup has connected levels of the game that were otherwise perhaps feeling disconnected, um, not suggesting that all of those connection points are perfect either. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, people have to accept that affordability is a big issue. Our existing owners would like more money. We've been able to increase their grants to a certain extent over the last few years. Um, we're now north of the salary cap number for the top 23, but they would tell you that their player costs are more to more than just their top 23 players, and Tony, you would know that better than anyone. Um, so, you know, increasing those grants has meant that the ability to actually add teams um, hasn't been easily apparent uh, or doable. So all of these things are... Um, you know, people don't like to hear it, but affordability is, is unfortunately just part and parcel of what we do. Do we do enough, uh, David, to, to lobby government? I know that uh, you have people within your team that do that. Are we putting enough pressure on government? Because when we look at our stadium deals across the, the A-League, uh, we know that the clubs are hamstrung when it, when it comes to the financial arrangements and uh, the other restrictions they have about playing in the stadiums they're playing in at the moment. It's certainly a challenge. I mean, we, we, for a lot of places, we're sharing facilities with other sports. Um, we've got more resources in relation to government and, um, and we have managed to kick some goals at federal and state level recently. Obviously, the federal government supporting our Women's World Cup bid um, with significant money. South Australia recently um, got a, a significant amount of money for some grassroots facilities. Um, I think uh, talk this week uh, or an announcement this week around grassroots facilities in Tasmania. So these are just the latest examples. Uh, our sport is under pressure to provide uh, um, enough, for, not just for um, the men's game, but for the women's game where we've got uh, unsatisfactory situations where girls and women are being forced to share change rooms, etc., all these things are, are being worked on, uh, and we are making some progress, but um, I, I wouldn't suggest to you that we're sitting ideally in that space because there's lots of places that need money. You talk about Tasmania, you touched on that. It's, a, it's an interesting one. We've been discussing on this program, and we had Robert Beltecki, who's one of the guys, of course, you'd know, who was uh, heading up the, the bid for Tasmania. Are they a chance uh, for the first tranche of clubs to, to come in? 
in 1920. They, they sound like they've got a good business case. They sound like they've got state and federal government support. Would the FFA consider a, a club in Tasmania first up? Yeah, I mean, we've met those guys and, and of course, they'll, they'll be in the mix. Um, as I said, perhaps at the time when they first came onto the scene... It's really important that wherever we expand, it's not only successful in its own right, in its own geographic location, um, but we need to grow the pie so that the existing 10 clubs um, are are not diminished by the addition. Um, So our commercial partners have to be on board um, and seeing some value out of wherever we expand to. These are the types of questions that we're going to need to answer over the next few months. Um, and, and, where, and whether Tasmania can demonstrate that, uh, you know, that'll be a matter for down the track. David, how's the uh, relationship with the A-League clubs at the moment, FFA and the A-League clubs? Oh, of, of course there's, um, you know, there's always potholes in the relationship between the, the governing body and the, and the clubs. Um, I think operationally there's a, a lot of good cooperation it's no secret that um, the owners are frustrated by the model of the A-League and, and wanting to see better return for their investment. Um, as we said a couple of weeks ago, we're, we're prepared to look at that. Uh, we'd like to sit around the table and talk about the potential models that, and what that could look like. Um, but uh, it's a tough business. You don't go into an A-League club um, necessarily expecting to be hugely profitable straight away. And, and I think a, f- a few of our clubs are, are continuing to to, um, to find that that's tough going um, for a range of reasons. And, uh, and of course, that leads to frustration. The FIFA exercise is dragged on, um, and that's frustrating for everyone as well. We know the clubs are pushing, and, and Greg Griffin's been very vocal and pushing for uh, an independent A-League. You were in Adelaide a few weeks ago. How did that go? Uh, yeah, I mean, we had a good day at the football. Um, uh, Adelaide United, always good to, to, go, to go to. And, and, of course, you know, Greg and I in, engaged in some, in some good debates. But um, um, we're not always going to see eye to eye. And uh, it, it, was, it was good to actually sit with him at the football and, and uh, debate some of the issues. Uh, I've got no problem with that. So that's that's their their panacea, I suppose, from from what we've been told from from their point of view. Can will the A League ever ever be independent? Do you think? It depends how you define independence. Obviously, the game um, has enormous agenda, um, and that agenda from the grassroots um, right up to the Socceroos and the Matildas, um, it needs funding. So, whatever the the A League as the kind of engine room of the game generates. We have to remember that um, funding is going to be needed across the game. And our commercial partners are, um, they love having an interest in different levels of the game. So they like an association with the Socceroos, the Matildas, um, perhaps the A-League, perhaps the W-League, the grassroots. Um, They pay a premium for that package. And we need to be careful whatever we do that we, we keep being attractive to those bundles of rights that we can that we can sell, whether it's um, whether it's sponsors of um, uh, the A League or or sponsors of the other levels of the game. One of the consistent themes, David, uh, that's come through, especially on, on social media, when when we announced that you would, you'd be coming onto the program, is around fan engagement. And uh, if you turn back the clock five years and, and you walked into Parramatta Stadium, I know that Western Sydney don't have the advantage of having their own stadium at the moment, but the match day atmosphere, I'm sure you'd agree, was is very different to today than than it is back then a lot of things have happened uh, in the last five years and there have been issues with crowd violence and issues with flares and and we saw it at the derby on the weekend so it is difficult to manage from that point of view but do you agree that we we need to to work harder to to re-engage the fans and and make that match day experience a a special one because that's one of the key differentiators we have uh, from our sport uh, against some of the others that are, are competing with us at the moment? Yeah, it is frustrating, um, and, and I think we should make the point that um, the behaviour that we saw, which has led to sanctions from the club and, and a show cause notice from the from the FFA, 
that, that behaviour shouldn't be regarded as synonymous with active support. That, that's not active support. That's disruptive, offensive behaviour. Active support is the stuff we love to see. Um, people supporting their team, singing, um, banners uh, that aren't offensive. Uh, you know, all of those things are active support and they're encouraged. But, but I, I think we all get frustrated when um, comments are made that flares and offensive banners are active support. That's not active support. That's a different thing to active support. And our active supporters um, shouldn't be tarred with that brush. Yeah, I agree, David. And, um, you know, hats off to John Tatsmas. He made a tough call yesterday to ban or close the RBB section, um, you know, given, you know, the light of, you know, the flares. And, and people got to understand in this country, this is not Europe. Flares are illegal in Australia. So stop lighting them. And um, and you find that most clubs now have been here that. Melbourne Victory, no problems. Sydney, no problems. The Wanderers were no problems for a while. They came back on the weekend. Um, did they... Dave, when did their um, match suspension, their points match suspension, um, uh, suspended sentence um, finalise? When did, was yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it technically was through to the end of last season. Okay. Um, I mean, they've got to show cause notice and um, they'll respond to that. Mm. So I don't want to get too no, much no. into preempting that, give them a chance to, to make a submission about where they're at. But I agree with you. Um, it was good to see the, the club stepping up yesterday and saying, you know, we're, we're, we're not going to put up with that this week uh, as a message that, you know, going forward, it's not welcome in their active supporter group. We had um, issues with Melbourne Victory over the last couple of seasons as well, uh, David, and, and around ticketing and around, you know, the fact that members had to purchase a specific seat and, and that sort of... Uh, spilled onto the match day atmosphere and, and impacted that negatively. When, when I refer back to my previous question, what can we do to to get the, that match day experience back to, to what it was once upon a time? I mean, it's a balance zapper. Um, there's there's lots. Um, there's a vast majority of people who are doing the right thing. Um, if if a small minority do the wrong thing, then We've got to continue to try and identify them, um, make sure there are sanctions against the individuals. Um, and, and I think one of the things that has worked in, in recent years is getting fans to self-police themselves um, and everyone to accept that although it is only a minority, it does do damage to the reputation of the sport. And, and that's frustrating for everyone. Yeah, no doubt it is, and I just think, yeah, I just feel like there's uh, dis- disenfranchisement amongst the, the fan base, and, and we need we need to to win them back. Tony, David, are you um, short-staffed at FFA? Um, you know, you've had some key people leave, um, such as Jackie Hoban, Rob Squillachotti, um, and they were sort of uh, their roles were sort of sort of given to Luke Bold and to to Greg O'Rourke, and and I know that they played an important part in this fan engagement as well. You know, Jackie was instrumental in. Uh, you know, you know, with the events and, and, and the forums we had with uh, Stadia, police and clubs, which were fantastic because we all got together, you know, once or twice a year and discussed these issues. Um, you know, Rob, from a marketing point of view, who I thought did a great campaign last year. I just feel that maybe, whether it's cost or, and, or, or what, these people haven't been replaced. Well, a lot, you know, we've made no secret of the fact that we, we had to cut our costs um, we found $5 million in a productivity review um, and that always is going to lead to making decisions about people. Um, Greg O'Rourke in particular has, has stepped up into the space and he regularly talks to um, security police um, clubs, um, fans about um, upcoming fixtures, etc. Um, we are stretched thin um, and uh, that that is is just a fact of where the sport's at. Um, we we do a lot with a small group of people, and they're very dedicated and and do a great job. So it gets back to my my question around funding. If if it sounds as though you're you're operating under tough commercial uh, uh, conditions, David. So 
where does the additional money come? Because uh, the sport needs to grow. It, it, obviously, we're all wanting the sport to, to grow. Yeah, and there are... Um, there are sports in the country that earn a lot more from broadcasting than, than we do, and their numbers um, are a lot bigger than ours. Um, next time we get an opportunity to do a broadcasting deal, which is not for a few years... We need to have demonstrated that that we deserve um, lift in our in our rights fees. Um, the same applies to our big commercial sponsorship arrangements. You know, these are the big revenue opportunities, um, but they happen off the back of results and results over years. And, and I think uh, that's what we have to keep building. That's why we have to take a collective responsibility for the numbers that we produce, whether it's attendances or television ratings or the measures that sponsors look at when they decide to invest in, in our sport, um, which is, you know, a, a couple of rungs down, the, a few rungs down the ladder from uh, where the biggest sports in the country are at at the moment. David, has, um, has Fox been in touch? Are they worried about the, the numbers um, on, on TV at the moment? Yeah, I think, you know, they would be concerned, um, and we do talk to them about the numbers all the time. Um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a fact if you look across sport globally um, that big rights fees are under pressure because people are consuming sport in different ways um, through mobile phones, through other devices uh, where you can stream content. This is placing pressure on the traditional free-to-air and pay television markets. And is that something that uh, you're talking to the, the telcos about now? I'll take my Telstra hat off you. But uh, no doubt that uh, we've seen Optus enter the fray with, with English Premier League and uh, Telstra with AFL and, and NRL. Is, is a digital rights on, on the table? Yeah, we're, um, we are actually uh, st- still talking about a range of, of, of those issues, um, which has to go hand in hand with our television arrangements as well. So... Um, you know, th- th- those things are always being discussed. We know that uh, the, the debate around expansion will be one that uh, will, will give us some hope, will give us that light at the end of the tunnel that we need next year. Next year is going to be a tough sell, though, isn't it? Because we know that the 10 teams will still be there next season and, and one of the things that we have to look forward to is, is that expansion debate. Is there anything else you're thinking about, David, in terms of promotion? Promotion was a key thing this year that we had Greg O'Rourke on early in the season and he said we made a strategic decision to back-end our promotional spend this year. Uh, when you look at that as a strategy, do you think uh, it was a mistake? And, and, and what are the learnings, I suppose, from, from the promotion of, of the, the code this year? And, and what will you look at for next year? Look, I think, you know, marketing in the game, whether it's through a, a big launch or the spend throughout the season, where you schedule games, the time slots that we use, or all of those things will um, we will take lessons from this year and expect to see improvements next year. Um, but it, it's, it's not a magic wand. Um, the connection points between the huge base of the pyramid um, who participate in the sport and the A-League and becoming fans of the A-League, that, that's obviously still a big strategic imperative for us. Um, it's one of the reasons that you'll see those connections between the member federations and the A-League clubs come through in Female Football Week, which is being launched on Friday. Um, as I said earlier, um, we, we unlocked $3 million in central funding and gave each club $300,000. Um, there's, there's the need to review that and how it worked uh, and just get better bang for our buck. Um, I think everyone wants to see that. One of the questions we had from uh, our Twitter uh, handle uh, in the last few hours was uh, from uh, uh, Georgina, her name was, and she said, I'd love to hear about David's passion, your passion for football. I know that you've uh, developed a very strong one over the last five years, and uh, I suppose a lot of the criticism is uh, levelled at, at Stephen and at you is that uh, traditionally you, you haven't been around the sport all of your life. But talk, just, uh, I suppose, remind our, our, our listeners uh, and those out there what, what you're passionate about. Yeah, I mean, I grew up following a lot of sports and, and um, 
just because I worked in another sport that does in no way mean um, that, I, that I lack passion. You know, I, I loved being out there in the pouring rain on, on Sunday and, and seeing that the, the Sydney derby and, you know, seeing a great player like Adrian step up to a free kick and there's just some players who you think, you know what, he's a pretty good chance of getting this and, um, and, and he gets it. You know, those, are, those are great moments. Um, I, I grew up in Canberra and, and watched the, the various teams that were part of the NSL in Canberra. Um, Johnny Warren, of course, was down there and we, we went to games. We grew up watching English Premier League, um, getting up in the middle of the night to, to watch FA, FA Cup finals. Um, you know, the Great Leagues team was probably the first one I saw in the early 70s when I was a six or seven-year-old. Billy Bremner, Joe Jordan, these guys. Um, I, I then lived in London for a while, and the guy I lived with actually wrote the history of West Bromwich Albion. Um, so, of course, I had to get connected to that club, living with him. So maybe those are some of the things that, that, that people don't know, but I'm not also not going to suggest that I don't uh, keep an eye on other sports as well. Well, that's 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 why we're um, in so Australia. Yeah, so do we. But um, <laughs> so you're a West Brom fan, David? Yeah, well, they're coming last at the moment, so it's a bit hard to follow them. They look pretty pretty <coughs> certain for relegation, unless they can do something. Uh, I won't touch. Um, but the the second division that's been, sort of been thrown around uh, for a while, and I know that um, you know we had uh, Rabi on last week as well. Um, is that something that's going to be looked at in the near future? We're doing some work with the AAFC group and, and at the moment there's a bit of a roadshow on around the NPL clubs. Um, Mark Falvo from the office was up in Brisbane during the week meeting NPL clubs with that AAFC people. Um, I think everyone uh, would like one day for there to be a, a, a robust second tier, which could ultimately perhaps one day lead to promotion and relegation, give those clubs something to aspire to. Uh, but affordability is a big issue around that and the investment that our owners have made in the A-League and will continue to make has to be at the forefront of our thinking around how these things are funded. But I think it's encouraging that we're out on the road talking to NPL clubs and and getting a gauge for their views of what it might look like down the track. David, we um, we had Alessandro Del Piero, you know, come in 2012. We had him on our show too. Yeah, we did. We did. And we got uh, more comments about David coming on than Alessandro did. So that says a lot. But um, <laughs> should, you know, are marquees something that the A-League needs? I know clubs don't want to spend the money. Coaches don't want the marquee players. But... You know, we saw what, what Alessandro Heskey and, and Ono did in 2012. Is that something... And I know that there was $3 million put aside by Fox in the in the TV deals about, you know, if, if clubs wanted to go out. No one wanted, so you divvied it up. But, you know, it's, it goes to, goes a long way when you get some of these sort of players that come in, just, just the hype of, of the league. And, uh, you know, rightly or wrong, uh, I think marquee plays is something that clubs should should look at it again. It's, the market's changed a bit, you know, you know this. Mm. Um, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of money on offer in other parts of the world um, for guys who've, who've been fantastic players and are getting towards the end. Um, clubs need to... Our clubs need to decide if they're prepared to make that big investment. Um, at the same time, you've seen... Um, marquees who've, who've come through who haven't commanded the millions of dollars contracts of, of um, guys like Del Piero, but, but Bobo, Ninkovic, these guys have have developed um, into, into great players in the A-League. Um, and that's more the level that our clubs are looking at at the moment rather than the, the huge investment that um, would need to be made to, to bring... Um, the types of names that, that a name like Del Piero. David, uh, we could talk for hours, but uh, we've 
kept you long enough. Uh, I think it, we, we thank you so much for, for joining us. And uh, as I said, the reaction we had on social was, was huge when we announced you were coming on. And the overwhelming sentiment is, is negative. There's, there's no doubt about that. And we know that that's a, a small section of the community. But we thank you for answering our concerns, our listeners' concerns, and uh, outlining some of the things that uh, you're working on to, to bring the game forward. Thanks for having me on, guys. David Gallup, the boss of the FN. Welcome back to Football Bosses here on FNR. Michael Zapponi, Tony Pinata with you. And uh, it's a big week for the women's game. It's uh, Women's Football Week. Joining us on the phone to talk about uh, women's football after a very successful season as the head coach of Sydney FC women's team, Ante Juric. Ante, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem at all. I say it's a very successful season. You made the grand final. Uh, you were probably the favourites to win it, and uh, Melbourne City just showed us uh, throughout the course of the season that uh, they were always going to be there on the big stage, and uh, was it the, the, the big stage experience that won it for them in the end? Yeah, well, I think that flew under the radar in, in some ways. Not not to us. We obviously knew they're probably the best team in the league on paper, so yeah, they might have not had the best season, but they were always going to come good, so... Uh, yeah, that was a shame that we didn't play our best, which I think was the key to the, the day. I don't think we were at our best on that day for whatever reasons. And uh, Melbourne uh, were a little bit better and they got away with the results. Uh, but they deserve it. Ante, um, well done on uh, making the grand final. Um, this is your, your first year in the uh, W League. Uh, have you found the league, um, you know, to your expectations, uh, a lot better than what you initially thought? Just tell us a little yeah, bit about well, your experience. Even though I haven't been coaching, I've obviously been to uh, probably more games than most people in the last five years because my duties with the national team at FFA. So every weekend I'd be at a game. So it wasn't uh, new to me um, in terms of the football. I think uh, in terms of answering another question was that, yeah, I think it's getting better and better anyway in the last 10 years, uh, on the park anyway. Um, yeah, so the girls are obviously improving. Our Matildas are... Uh, sprinkled across teams, so that improves uh, the competition and levels. Uh, uh, and the young girls coming through are very, uh, you know, technically gifted. So it's a lot of improvements in the last ten years. And we've had a great season, as you said. I think uh, the quality has been the best that uh, we've had uh, in in uh, living memory. Talk to us about what you think we need to do to lift it again and, and to attract even more players uh, to the W League, and then what flow-on effect that should have amongst uh, other participants in our game. Yeah, I'll probably get myself in trouble <laughs> saying these things, but I only do it out of a passion for the game and a want for the, especially the women's game, and I will still call it the women's game. It's women's football, in my view. Um, but I, yeah, well, well, one thing, let's say it's been going for 10 years, the competition, and we're still not at playing each other twice. Uh, that's probably the easiest one to throw out there. So I think once that changes, um, or hopefully it's next year where every, everyone plays each other twice, one, you get a few more games. One, it's probably an even competition in terms of you end up playing teams twice rather than once and someone else plays someone twice. Um, you know, I think that really needs to be looked at because the only reason it's not happening is a little bit of extra finances uh, for the games and you know, surely that can be fixed. So that, that's something I think that really needs to be looked at. Is that um, something that will happen or your lobbying and the clubs are, are pushing for, for, for next season? Uh, you know what, I'm not lobbying it, but... You know, if someone asks me a question about it, I'm, I'm going to say that that needs to be done. It should have been done five years ago. You know, not now. It should have been done, I guess, initially maybe, yeah, because of finances. Now it's a settled competition. Um, there's no reason why it can't happen outside of money. Um, potentially, they're going to say there's timing of, of the competition, but you can have one or two midweek games and you're done. You know, so, uh, you know, I'm not an FFA, even though I was there a couple of years ago, so I've, you know, heard reasons why they don't want it, but... Uh, you know, the competition needs it. If you want respect for it, you really need to get two rounds. Uh, you know, that, that's one thing. Uh, you know, then there's just little things of... Uh, well, they're not little things <laughs> from a coaching perspective. Uh, for example, we're having players turn up a week, the week of the first uh, competition round. And, you know, if you're, and, and it's a 12-week competition. So from a coaching and a fluency of a team and even fans watching teams play uh, the early rounds are you know tough they're probably not nice to look at and then later on when teams actually get to gel and play their rounds where you want to watch and be a part of as a fan so that's something i don't know if can be fixed um because of international football leagues as well but it's something i've really struggled with as a coach 
um, and trying to make your team the best you can be. We actually only started getting fit by the end of the year, so you know it tells you a lot. Yeah, and I think um, I think you're right because um, they they come out of the US and they probably some of the you know, players arrive a week before, and it's very hard as a coach to to try and bring him into the um, into the team and gel and, and everything like that. Um, you know, maybe maybe they you know, should start later. And, and I think from a club's point of view, they, they've always wanted to have um, two rounds, but I think finances. But hopefully now, you know, the game has grown to that level where they can play home and away and, uh, and make it a, a more even competition. Um, have you found playing in the, uh, the big stadia before the, the men's game, um, more and more games this year, which I think was, was fantastic and allowed the uh, W League players to play on, on, on great, um, great surfaces and, and great stadiums? Yeah, I think, uh, again, from a football perspective, I think it's an excellent idea. Um, I think the girls enjoy playing on a good stadium, on a good field. You know, that's brilliant. Uh, I think it's a cost, cost-cutting measure. That's so probably for the wrong reasons. But again, I'm not going. I'm going to leave that to the side. Uh, uh, but yeah, I think it's brilliant playing on those fields, um, and the girls loved it. We love playing on Allianz, and uh, you know, hopefully, it continues in terms of that. Uh, but also, we had a great game, even though it was semi-final on at Leichhardt Oval. Good crowd, good field, good uh, atmosphere. So yeah, and most teams around uh, during the year played on decent fields. Uh, there was a couple that were out in the sticks and not probably the best fields, but uh, yeah, this year in terms of that was quite good, and yeah, it's uh, it's good for the crowd uh, to have a stadium where they can relax and it's comfortable for them to watch. Yeah, and I also like the idea that um, you know you, you end up travelling as one club. Um, you know, a couple of away games, uh, both the W League and the A League players travelled together, and you had uh, you know fan uh, presentation days together, which is which is great. It's all about you know this one club and. More and more so, you know, the W League teams are now being integrated into the clubs, which is, um, you know, been been fantastic and something that's uh, been uh, long overdue. Yeah, yeah, I think it's perfect. Uh, again, I think they can do a little bit more, but it's a great start. I think it's excellent. Sydney did it really well. I think uh, uh, it may be because I know Arnie quite well, so he tried to connect a few things together. The, um, the club in itself tried to, you know, have the presentations at the start together and We'll present it at some games at times, and uh, you know the boys were watching before our game. So this year was exceptional. I'm sure it was in the past too, but I can only speak of this year. But uh, that was good in terms of that. And from a Sydney FC perspective, I think it was excellent. I think it was good for the fans as well to come a little bit earlier. I wish they a few more would come, but you know I also understand it's a tough long day to be at a sporting uh, arena for five or six hours. So, um, but it was good, and I, again, I think it's a good thing to build on for one Sydney FC but also I'm sure the other clubs around the league. We know uh, Ante, the uh, Matildas are in action uh, tomorrow morning in, in the first of uh, their games in the uh, in the cup that they're playing over in Portugal uh, you've no doubt seen up close to some of the players that uh, we're now developing uh, in your opinion is this group of players the best we've had and you know, we've seen them perform so well at the Olympic Games and, and now preparing for an Asian Cup. Is this the type of group that can go on to, to win a World Cup? Yeah, I think so, definitely. Um, especially now, the icing on the cake is... A, uh, I wish it was Caitlin Ford, but she's actually injured. But people like Caitlin Ford and Sam Kerr um, and Lisa still around, and they're the icing on the cake. When you've got players like that who are so dangerous uh, and scoring regularly... Um, they're the players that get you over the line in semi-finals and hopefully World Cup finals. So we've got a special player uh, there. We've got a lot of other very, very good players, um, which is another key to our team at the moment. We've got 14 or 15 very solid players you can turn to every time, and they're world-class players, not just um, players, um, you know, sort of middle rank of players. Uh, so, yeah, this team, you know, I've said it for a long while, actually, the last World Cup, which I was at, with this group, uh, I said then we could win the World Cup, and we fell short with losing to Japan one 0 in the last two minutes. Um, so two years on with the same group, three years on, my uh, thoughts don't change. It only gets stronger, and especially now that Sam's really peaked and confident in her own abilities and uh, level of play, I think we can definitely do it. We just need to keep supporting him, giving him opportunities like this to travel, play, uh, have tours, play teams in Australia. 
Um, and then in a year's time, I think we'll really give it a shake. And extend the A-League season or the W-League season in this case uh, for, for the women who are playing. And uh, you, you spoke about uh, the, the things that you'd like to see happen. Uh, and I'm glad you're, you're airing them publicly. Just, just if we dig a little bit deeper, though, is there anyone else that uh, is working towards that, those things that you've been speaking about, the longer W-League season or getting players here earlier? Is that happening behind the scenes? Any chance of that happening next season? Uh, do you want the honest, <laughs> the honest yeah. part? Again, I'll try and probably get myself <laughs> in trouble. Um, I got a little bit of a, and I, you know, wasn't from my club. It was let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Got a bit of a wrap around the knuckles for speaking my, uh, you know, my beliefs. And and in all honesty, I think everything I said was true. I don't know if you, a couple of months ago, I spoke about the league and a few things, and just said it wasn't respected in a lot of ways. And, I copped a bit of a barrage from some people, obviously administration personnel, but yeah. pretty much the public and coaches and players totally agreed and actually were thankful I said a few things. You know, a lot of people keep quiet. I'm not that type of person, especially when I think we need to do something, especially now. You know, if you're not going to do something now when the women's game is booming, it's not going to happen later when we're struggling or, you know, so. Um, and the girls deserve more, so I'll always speak my mind. Um, and again, I don't say anything out of whack. I think it's quite sensible what I'm saying, but people need to to do it and yeah, try and try and voice their opinion as well a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I, I just think there need to be changes. And I haven't heard any uh, anyone talking from FFA about they're going to make changes. Um, all I know is they're probably not happy that certain people speak up about it. Well, we encourage you to continue. Well, we encourage you to continue to do that, and uh, we're on your side as well. We'll continue to push uh, because you make a lot of sense. Yeah, keep pushing, aren't they? It's a it's a good cause. And um, have you had a sit down with the chairman of uh, Sydney FC for next year, aren't they? Yeah, I will do. He's always helping with things. That's brilliant. So. No, they're great. They've been great. Well done on a successful season, uh, making the grand final this year, and uh, we wish you all the best uh, in the off season. Thanks so much, and hopefully we're back better and better, uh, big, bigger and better next year, and uh, get into another grand final. Ante Juric joining us here on the Football Bosses. FA joining us on Football Bosses here on FNR. Welcome back to FNR. We've run out of time. We've run over time, Tony, but. Uh, a fascinating conversation with David Gallup. Uh, plenty in that. Uh, have another listen. I'll be having another listen because uh, some of the big issues were, were tackled. Uh, as I said, we put some of the questions from our listeners uh, to him as well. And uh, I think he gets it. I think he understands there's a lot of frustration out there and, and uh, he's working towards fixing a lot of these problems. The thing that really stuck out for me, though, was the ongoing conversation around lack of funding and the fact that uh, things were really tight at the moment. And, and for me... Yes, it could be used as an excuse, but it's something that we need to address. If the funding's not there, then we need to find other avenues to, to help our game move forward because, uh, as we know, it's, it's not at the moment. Yeah, and they've had to make some uh, tough decisions internally with staffing and, and replacing staff uh, regarding these costs. But, look, there's no you can't hide the sentiment out there. We've seen it on social media. We see it in the stands. Um, people are disenchanted with the game at the moment. And the game's the game's going to continue. It will continue. People expecting it, the A League to fall over. It will not fall over. But FFA needs to take note of, of the sentiment out there and ensure that what they do going forward, and there is a lag that they need to ensure that the game continues to prosper. Fans are, are the number one supporters, and we're talking about fans who go in week in week out, families, kids and ensure that um, the game grows. Yeah, communicate and engage the fans. They're the two of the key things, I think, that uh, they failed to do well over the last 12 months. Uh, well done for organising uh, David on the show tonight, uh, Tony. And uh, thank you for listening. And we'll do it all again here next week on, again here next week 